0: Welcome to the High Performance Mindset. This is your host, Dr. Cindra Kampoff. And thank you so much for joining me here today for episode 598, almost episode 600, with Justin Jones-Fosu. My name is Sindra and I'm the founder of the Mentally Strong Institute, where we help purpose-driven leaders and athletes play big and achieve their most audacious goals. If you want to achieve your goal quicker, level up your confidence and increase your influence this year. I invite you to sign up for a free coaching call with one of my team members at freementalbreakthroughcall.com. We'll help you create a breakthrough, a moment of clarity and understanding and help you practice the high performance mindset. So again, you can check that out at freementalbreakthroughcall.com. Today, I have Justin Jones Fosu in the house. And what a delight to have him speak about his upcoming book, called I Respectfully Disagree. So powerful and such incredible content that will continue to help us all lead the best that we can. And let me tell you a little bit about Justin. He happens to be a sought-after business speaker, social entrepreneur, and meaningful work researcher. He's the founder and the CEO of Work Meaningful, where he combines over a decade of leadership in Fortune 500 companies and his real-life experience and research to help global organizations create new rhythms of excellence, profitability, and engagement. He speaks over 60 times a year, and he leads workshops and trainings to help us understand meaningful work and workplace engagement. He is the author of a book, Your Why Matters Now, How Some Achieve More and Others Don't, which challenges readers to merge their purpose and productivity to get more out of their life. And then his newest book, which is coming out April 16th, which I've provided a link, if you scroll down to the show notes, you'll be able to see a link to pre-order his book on Amazon. And his latest book comes out April 16th. That is the focus of our conversation, How to Respectfully Disagree. And we talk about why, you Should Respectfully Disagree, Five Pillars to Bridge the Divide Between People, How to Cultivate Your Curiosity, The 3A Framework, The Power of Three, and His Three Self-Model. Lots of great, incredible content in today's episode with Justin. If you'd like to see the full show notes and description of this podcast, you can head over to cindracampoff.com 598 for episode 598. All right, let's bring on Justin Jones Fosu. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset, Justin. I'm so excited that you're here. So welcome. I'm pumped to talk to you. I got to meet you uh, a couple months ago, several months ago at the CSP Summit. had so much fun. And uh, so I'm just pumped that you're here today talking about your new book. How is your day going so far? Tell us how it's going. (laughs)
1: One, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, I woke up at 4 a.m. and got my workout in. Yes, I'm one of those people. Uh, so you can respectfully disagree with me about waking up early or exercise, but that's OK. Um, and I just had a really great time with my team um, at a great team meeting and um, just excited for the week. Right. Like one of the things I really leaned into is happy Mondays. Um, and this is a great start. So it's been uh happy Monday because I've made it so. But externally, it's also been happy. People have been nice and I was dancing in the gym. And so, yeah, ultimately, it's really good. I appreciate you so much.
0: Great day. Well, so today we're talking about your new book that comes out April 16th called I Respectfully Disagree How to Have Difficult Conversations in a Divided World. And I just thought, gosh, what a great topic that we're going to discuss today. Um, I think our world is more divided than ever before. There seems to be more negativity, negativity, than ever before everywhere that we, you know, we work and we live. And so why did you decide to write this book called I Respectfully Disagree?
1: Yeah, so I wrote this book for three reasons. Um, and not a lot, all of them were obvious at first. So the first one is, I've been doing work, consulting, speaking around the inclusive mindset and how to make, you know, inclusion something that we just are, rather than something that we have to do. Uh, and so that involves everybody. And so one of the things that was uh, a statement I would make in the inclusive mindset in one of our modules was that we can vehemently disagree with someone's ideology and still passionately pursue their humanity. And there would always be like, it's, oh, "Oh, all right. And oh, so, yeah, like, you know, I thought it was a nice statement, but there always seemed to be something there. And oftentimes where people come up after the keynote or the presentation, I would say the best keynotes are the ones off the stage. It, they would lean into that statement. And it like, I love that statement, but how do I do it? Like, like how, like I really want to do it. So, but how do I do it? And so, um, this book became the answer to help people mm-hmm. to do that, to, to how to respectfully disagree. Um, that was number one. Number two is I want to create a place, um, where I planted seeds, not only for this current generation, but for the next one, where they weren't defined by the divisiveness of the relationship, but rather by the deliberate depths of the relationships. And that was like, for me, as a a proud pop of two high energy kids, like I really wanted to put something else into the future and now, but just really plant seeds. And three, I got from my mama, like I, I realized, as I really kind of started thinking back and researching a um, respectful disagreement, I was like, my mom used to do this to me, right? My mom would have us not only go to things that were different, there's oftentimes my mom had us to go to events that we disagreed with, that we didn't believe in, or that were a different faith than ours and and different things, right? And so um, I realized that it was actually built into me and um, I'm ultimately, you know, called to be a bridge and to help people bridge more divides rather than building up barriers from people.
0: Excellent. So inspiring. And I'm curious, you know, when you think about this idea of just having the inclusive mindset, and in the book, you talk about the inclusive mindset vision. Why is that yeah. important now than ever before? And like how could we use just that to guide us in general?
1: Yeah. So when I talk about the inclusive mindset vision, it was something I actually included in inclusive mindset, the book, right? and and I would often like I wanted to have a level setting place of. What I mean when I talk about the inclusive mindset. And for me, it became something that was really like a sticking point that people could come back to over and over again. And so uh, let me give it. I think it'll be helpful for me to share it uh, so people can really get. So, the inclusive mindset vision is uh, the world can be a place where people are treated with value, dignity, and respect, with full regard, uh, without regard to what they look like, how they identify, what they believe. That people can engage others every day with a sense of wonderment and curiosity. That people disagree respectfully while honoring the perspective of others. Where everyone feels included, seen, and heard and the voices of the marginalized are elevated and amplified. Where people stand up for others when they see injustice occurring and challenge systems that don't work for others. Where people don't have to be perfect and can receive grace as they learn from their mistakes. Where diversity and inclusion are no longer an initiative but part of our everyday lives no longer a mandate, but simply a mindset. This is the world that we believe in. This is what we believe the world can be. And that being inclusive mindset vision, it really encapsulated for us what what making, what does it mean to make inclusion just who we are, where it becomes a mindset, where it's just what we filter our lives out of. And uh, and now it's a place where it includes everybody, right? Like it's all people. Uh, people who set the systems in place, people who are impacted by systems, people who are marginalized, people who aren't, people who make mistakes, which is all of us. Uh, and just that we could consistently learn and ultimately make progress together. Because at the end of the day, it's it's a lifelong journey, right? It's not, you know, I love when people think like, oh, I got it now. No, no, no. It's a lifelong journey to engage this. And I'm still learning. I'm still making mistakes. And that's that's why the inclusive mindset vision is so important. It's foundational because when you realize, hey, it's all just about how do I treat others with a little bit more humanity. That's that's where we're setting up for um I respectfully disagree.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, I think as you read that, that was beautiful. Justin, um, and just so powerful. And when I think about, okay, what holds people back from this inclusive mindset vision? I mean, it could be the way that they were raised, like you were raised to embrace Mm -hmm. all these different, you know, cultures and religions. And, and sometimes I think, you know, it's our our beliefs that we're raised in and maybe what we've heard our parents talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. what other things do you think impacts particularly right now, how inclusive people are and how respectful people are to each other?
1: Yeah, so I'll answer it two ways. Uh, one, from an inclusion perspective, one is how we define it. And that's the, one of the big things. So I've, I've read to a lot of people that are like, I don't like BEI, I think BEI is stupid, we don't need BEI, what's the point of that? And, or we don't need diversity, right? And, and I, love, I love when people say that because um, the way I define it is diversity is just difference and everybody is different right <laughs> when you encounter whether you have a spouse supporter that looks similar to you comes from the same place has similar economic background y'all are still vastly different people right we can go back to men are from and women right like vastly <laughs> different people yeah and it's how you engage with that person that's inclusion right that's diversity right? and oftentimes we only think of diversity as the big three which is race gender and identity but diversity encompasses so much from religion, to politics, to identity, to self, to mental health, all these things that every single person is included in this conversation. So number one, it's really asking, how do we define it? So that's what I often ask people, like when they say I don't value diversity, I'm like, awesome, tell, tell me what you mean by when you say diversity. And then as they define it, we're able to have a, a deeper conversation. So number one, that's, I think, just the definition is currently stopping people. words. Mm-hmm. And how it's being politicized, right? And I'm not a big politics person. That's not my, that's not my lane. Um, but it's been politicized in a way that um, I, don't, I don't think is helpful, right? Um, when we're having meaningful conversations with people. Um, and why respect is needed? Man, there's stuff happening in, my, in our society that my, my kids, my 8 and 12-year-old kids, would be disciplined for if they did or talk to people the way I see adults talking to people, right? Without any discipline and things. And so um, for me, yes, let me me be very clear. I think what we see is only maybe 10%, right? Because media will only show us the stuff that will like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. Oh, I can't believe they did that. The vast majority of people, want to value the relationships, want to uh, form more connections and disconnect with people, but they struggle with how to do it. And so for me, why it's needed right now is uh, I think that how people can lean into it is, is by learning, by growing, by choosing to just to be on the journey that they're not going to be perfect. I still don't make mistakes. I still have wrong thoughts. I still have bias. Justin jones to. we've been doing this work for over 20 years. I still, even when I was writing the book, I respectfully disagree, disrespectfully disagreed with someone while writing it, right? like it's, <laughs> it's not a perfection thing, it's a progression thing. And that's why I think if people lean into the mindset of how do I grow rather than how do I impress people with what I know, I, I think we all can stand to respect people just a little bit more as we consistently grow on this journey.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, Justin. I appreciate that you're talking about everybody's different right and i think about my my husband i mean we grew up actually a similar town but we were all we're both really different right and i appreciate that it's like uh thinking beyond race gender and identity as including the this idea of diversity and that we all have bias um even when we don't think that maybe we do so yeah. in the book you talk about these five pillars to bridge the divide and i thought that was the most um well, part of the the most, um I guess I'd say meaningful, and um, you just gave so much great content there of how we could bridge the divide. Yeah. So maybe what we start with before we kind of dive into these five pillars is what what is this divide and how can we um, build people up instead of, you know, bridging this divide?
1: Yeah. So the divide happens in many different ways. There's macro divide and micro divide. So it's it's, it's pretty um, clear to see some of the macro divides in our society. I'm not just talking about U.S. I'm talking about global world, right, in terms of Israel and Palestine, right? Like, and what's your perspective is on that and what's war going on there with certain tribes on the continent of Africa, with uh, certain things that are happening, right? And, you know, politically, the divide um, within the United States, um, so there's a lot of divides from a macro societal perspective. But there's also these micro divides and these micro divides are uh, things like, you know, you and I, we saw a movie and we disagreed on what that movie was about. And so we may be in a small division on, wait a minute, you thought that movie was good? How, what in the world? Or uh, on, wait a minute, wait a minute, Kansas City, you're like a Kansas City, wait a minute, you like such a, such, how, how you like 49ers, like, so 49ers
0: versus right?
1: like, the Chiefs. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, right? Yeah. Well, and so, are you, you know, for sports reference, the biggest divide of all is Michael Jordan and LeBron James, who's That's the greatest?
0: That's so true. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're both great. I, I
1: know. Yeah. You know, and uh, this is different divides that we have. And what I find is that it's a spectrum, but generally, from a binary perspective, people are generally either building up um, barriers or they're risking the divide. Right, And so they're bridging the divide to people or building the barriers from them. And while there's a spectrum and it's not necessarily just, oh, you're either doing this or that, um, we've challenged ourselves, perverse, uh, but then others to start spending more time bridging divides, um, And that's what we see as important. And so bridging the divide is just connecting to others. Mm-hmm. It's connecting, right? It's valuing others. That's breaking the divide. It's um, acknowledging others, all right? <laughs> It's listening to others, right? These are all powerful yet practical things. That notice, I didn't say it's agreeing with others. No, I didn't say that at all. It's ultimately, if I could put it this way: when we talk about this concept of golden respect and and the book, it's it's respecting others. But what oh, we call golden respect because we've often, I, I feel we've mislabeled, misdefined respect. Like we've said things like, oh, you gotta earn my respect. Am I is back is why? Mm-hmm. Why do I have to earn respect? And if respect is truly valuing and providing dignity for someone else, I didn't say honorary, but valuing and, and providing dignity, like everyone could be given respect the same way we think about forgiveness. We say forgiveness is not about the other person, it's about me, right? And so if I choose to, choose to cheerfully or willingly give it, that's powerful. So when we think about this whole concept of respect, that's what it's doing. We're bridging the divide of disrespect. And that's what the divide is, a place where we disrespect others in our conversations, in our external places, but also internally. i notice noticed as a parent of two kids, I disrespect disrespectfully disagreed with my kids. I have a divide with them at times. And I'm always trying to make progress to get better to bridge the divide even with them.
0: Yeah, I appreciate Justin that you're still on this journey and that, you know, it's not perfect. And even when you're talking about the inclusive mindset vision, right, that you included in there, that um, accepting when people make mistakes and yeah. um, not judging people, because if we're all biased, right, uh, we're not perfect at this. So um, let's dive into the five pillars. And yep. these are called the five pillars to bridge the divide. Um, maybe first tell us what these five pillars are and why you decided on these five pillars.
1: Yeah. Um, so the, the five pillars are uh, challenge, challenge your perspective is pillar number one. Pillar number two is be the student. Pillar number three is cultivate your curiosity. Pillar number four is seek the great. And pillar number five is agree to respect. Now, why did that choose anything? They, they could have been 100 pillars, by the way. Uh, yeah. is in, in, in my research one of the things that i wanted to do i didn't want to create a book about um how to respectfully disagree in terms of like breathe five times when you're in a conflict or you know hit your hand or get a rubber band and you know like i, I think there's a lot of really good books out there about the tactics mm-hmm. um of of respectfully disagreeing right um, or disagree with others, I wanted to provide a book that spoke to the heart of not the how-to specifically, but the why-to of respectful disagreement, because that's the piece I think we're missing. And And our approach is a heart-head-hand model. Uh, I feel like long-term uh, growth uh, impact change happens at the heart level first, before we get knowledge. I mean, think about it. we know a lot of the stuff, but we don't always apply it. Why? Because it hasn't sunk into the heart level, the essence of who we are before it comes out in terms of knowing, knowing what to do and providing the tactics. And so um, I, I had four initially, to be honest. The first um, first would be the student um, and the different iterations of it. These words change, but in essence, that was the first one. But then I realized that respectful disagreement just doesn't happen when we're disagreeing with someone. It happens before the disagreement, right? Mm-hmm. It, it happens how we're open to learning. It happens how where we um, engage uh, um, society and put ourselves in positions of learning, of hearing other perspectives, of watching things that we might not agree with. Those are the things that begin to work in us already so that as we're engaging people, we're engaging them with a sense of humility, not as uh, one of pride where we come um, with all the answers. And so challenge your perspective, even though it's the first pillar, when it's the last pillar added because I, I realized that the work begins before the actual disagreement happens um, and then we just look through a lot of research right and so uh, big on research I've been researching this for a long time as one of the modules within an inclusive mindset and what I've summed up with many 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 hundreds of articles and many books is that these came to the forefront as practical things that people could do mm. to bridge the divide with others um, it it. It didn't take big cerebral initiatives and things. It's like we wanted to lean into the practical things for the everyday person that just wants to, to make more connections and disconnections.
0: Yeah. And Justin, I'm thinking about like, how does this impact the bottom line, right? Like in a business when there's divisiveness and people aren't coming yeah. together, or they have a hard time working together and maybe the profit isn't as as strong or, you know, people can't retain employees if people don't feel like they're included. What, what, what do you think the impact of these five pillars are on the bottom line and um, the way that people might lead um, and, and grow their business?
1: Yeah, I love the, I love you asked that question. And uh, I'm all about the business case. A lot of great statistics and things from McKinsey, Harvard Business Review, on a business case of all these pieces. These things are amazing. Uh, what I would say is that it, when you don't have places where people feel um, valued, they don't feel respected, um, not audited, but respected, but they don't feel like they bring their full selves to work, including what they think, how they believe, all these pieces. What it does is it it, it actually stymies few things. One, creativity innovation, um, connection, uh, team cohesion that develops the collaboration that all of us as entrepreneurs and leaders are, are seeking after. Um, and it ultimately impacts how we get stuff done. <laughs> because if I don't like that person, I've had so many conversations, even in our interview just for this book, of people that just talked about they avoid certain people based upon how they treat them. Right. And if they need them to get work done, well, guess what? They've decided I'd much rather not get the work done or not get it done effectively because I want to minimize the time I spend with this person. I don't want to be on a project team with them. I don't want to go to this event with them. And so when we create this space of leaders and entrepreneurs and, and executives, we create a space where people can respectfully disagree. It allows for our people to lean better into these spaces. But let me be very clear. It's just not an easy process. There's nothing that I'm saying. I want to make it look accessible, but it's not easy. Like when we're talking about creating a space, that means we have to model leaders the behavior Mm. I have to. And even in my own team, I encourage disagreement. Right. I was like, hey, what what, who who disagrees with me on that? I'll just like, hey, who's who's with me? Right. Because I think what we we tend to do is that we start to get people to believe into the yes people, even if we say I don't want yes people. right? but I ask who disagrees with me and it's a part of that. So we can build that in because friction, we said, is just fueled making us get better. And that's been a built-in piece of our culture. What, what's the friction? Um, so that's why I think it, how it would impact the bottom line. And why it's necessary for leaders is because what we model, what we provide for our people, allows people to engage in our cultures, engage and bring in who they are to think, to believe, and to operate by the mission of the organization. So that's from a macro level why it's important, I think for leaders and and it definitely impacts the bottom line.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And really powerful as I'm just thinking about myself as I'm listening, it's like, okay, how can I um, and do more of what you're saying? And and I'm curious as we, before we kind of dive into more of the five pillars. Hi, this is Sandra Campoff, and thanks for listening to the High Performance Mindset. Did you know that the ideas we share in the show are things we actually specialize in implementing? If you want to become mentally stronger, lead your team more effectively and get to your goals quicker. Visit freementalbreakthroughcall.com to sign up for your free mental breakthrough call with one of our certified coaches. Again, that's freementalbreakthroughcall.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. How could you... What would you tell leaders to do around, um, you know, let's say if there's a meeting that they're leading, how can people respectfully disagree? How would you tell us how to use these five pillars?
1: Yeah, so there's several different ways I think that leaders can do to help think through this. Um, one I've already mentioned in terms of modeling the behavior, right? When you're leading by example or you're engaging, you know, where you're seeking feedback. When's the last time you as a leader saw feedback about how you do it? right? We often yeah. provide feedback and performance reviews, and some organizations use 360s, and so you may get some of that, but when you're on your 101, do you sit down or talk to your team and say, hey, I'd love to get honest, open feedback about how things are going, what you disagree with? If we're not modeling that behavior, we're not creating a space where people feel safe to be able to share their disagreement or what they say. Uh, number two, uh, and this is one of the things I think is a hallmark of any work on this, is vulnerability. Like, mm-hmm. Shout out to my one of my my heroes, Brene Brown, right? No doubt. No. Catapulted the conversation and the vulnerability of, of admitting and sharing when you've gotten stuff wrong or when you disrespectfully disagree and what you learned from it. So that's why I'm often in my sessions talking about the many times I did, and I, I'll share a brief story because I think it's helpful. Um. One of my buddies um we're gonna go on a hiking trip planning to go to Patagonia, which I just did this this past December, and we're trying to figure out who our group was going to be right and and one of the questions he asked was like, okay well how many uh, men compared to women are going?" I was like, that's a stupid question. why does it matter right let's just let's get people go right sure. and I think I actually said that out loud. <laughs> And um, he was like, well, why did the, why is that stupid? And I was like, well, it's like, why does it matter to you? He's like, well, because, you know, um, my wife, um, I don't want it to feel like if people are coupled up and things like that. I was like, well, people are just hiking. I get to know whether well, there's four men and four women, like well, these people are hiking. And I actually said words that like, don't, I think that's stupid. And, you know, I got off the call and I was like, wow, Justin, what did you just do? And I called him back um, probably about 10, 15 minutes later. I was like, hey, I just want to apologize to you. Uh, like, I shouldn't have called it stupid. I may not understand or may not be a priority for me about the ratio of men to women, but can you better help me understand why this is important to you and why this is ultimately important to your wives? And we were able to have a conversation, right? Now, when I called it stupid, guess what he immediately did? He defended himself, he put up a wall, barrier was there because I chose to lean into that barrier with my language. Um and guess what? That happens in our meetings.
0: Oh yeah, it does. Now
1: does <laughs> that tell people Yeah. Now yeah. I tell people as a leader, as a person sharing, I'm the person who's researched this, who's leading into this. Um people feel comfortable and open and saying, oh yeah, I've done it too. Yeah. And as we lead with vulnerability, that allows people to come forward more into you know, to share the openness and honesty of where they are, pretending is not progress. And I think oftentimes we create mm-hmm. pretending cultures, mm-hmm. not progressive cultures. And and so that's what I think, you know. And then the last thing uh, I think is really, really powerful is um, when we reward disagreement, right? And people may say, "What well, how would you reward disagreement? Well, I mean, by rewarding, right? That how are we doing in terms of like just rewarding doesn't necessarily mean financial or thing. It could be in a meeting like, oh, thank you for bringing up that alternative point, right? Or thank you for bringing up the, like just those small little nudges. People are paying attention. They're asking, they're realizing, oh, wait a minute. Did, did she just say, thank you for bringing up that important point, <laughs> like yeah. that's and, and now they say, well, maybe, I, I have a different point, right? <laughs> right. I made one present my point, right? And so these are like the practical things I think of leaders that allow us to really engage And to lead our team in ways that are meaningful, so that's that's why one I think it's important. But two, those are some just some small practical ways that leaders can lean in to helping their teams get better.
0: Yes, and I so appreciate that because I'm imagining what you're talking about when someone judges you for a belief that you have, and then you put up different walls, right? And then you start shutting down and then it does create barriers in the workplace. And even at home, it's like, well, I'm not going to share my opinions with people if they're going to, if they're going to judge me. Right. And I think about how we judge, we judge ourselves, we judge other people, we judge situations. I think it's part of the human nature, but I think when you're talking about, um, Pretending is not progress, and how can you, as a leader, just be, maybe even celebrating the disagreement that's powerful?
1: Yeah, and and and, oh my gosh, you you were so on it. One thing that we didn't uh, we we had no idea we'd run into in our research because mm-hmm. um, we we started noticing we created this disagreement agreement matrix, and we we knew that there's this thing called you know respectful disagreement. That's what we're after, right? We knew that there was disrespectful disagreement. Um. What we didn't realize was this place of disrespectful agreement.
0: Okay. So and let's talk know. about the difference there.
1: Yeah. Disrespectful agreement is when I'm like, hey, Sandra, like, you yeah, I think that's a great idea. But behind your back, I'm like, yeah. 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 I think that was a horrible idea. Right. Right. Disrespectful agreement. That's a version of it. Uh-huh. The other version of that comes in where uh, I've agreed. But I've disrespected myself in the process hmm. because I didn't really believe it. I didn't I didn't value it or I allowed or operated by the power differentials. Right. Now what we we didn't want to get into is because there's a lot that goes into why people might disrespectfully disagree when it's different power dynamics. If somebody's in charge of promotions and stuff like that, we didn't dive in depth into that piece because that's a whole nother aspect of of why some people do that. That's just why leaders need to really create that culture. But there are times when I've, this, I've disrespected myself when I've agreed with you, because I didn't come forward. I, I wasn't courageous in my conversation to share, well, I, I have a different perspective. Do you mind if I share? Yeah, right? And so, so I find people disagreeing disrespecting themselves, but I also find them disrespecting, you know the, the new term that people use notice as gaslighting, um, right. others in meetings and in conversations just to get it over with or just to make it seem like they're on their side, but behind their back, they're saying a whole different set of things. And so um, that's one of the things that we really wanted to lean into or lead people away, not from disrespectful disagreement, but disrespectful agreement, getting to respectfully disagree. Yeah,
0: I think that's so helpful because... You know, it always comes back to the person, I think, when you're disagreeing with them behind the, behind their back, you know, it, it definitely doesn't help with trust and respect. Yeah. Um, We you know one of you, as I talk about these five pillars again, number one, challenge your perspective, number two, be the student, number three, cultivate your curiosity, number four, seek the gray, and then number five, agree to respect, right? Um. One of the ones I thought was, I mean, they're all powerful, but I wanted to just dive in a little bit to cultivating your curiosity. And you talk yeah. a little bit about having courageous curiosity in the book. Like, what does that mean and why is curiosity really important when people are disagreeing?
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You are so brilliant. Oh, I love that you asked that. that uh, this is one of my favorite. Um uh, <laughs> So in cultivating curiosity, what, what does that mean, right? Um, and why cultivating it, right? Because right. curiosity is one of those things, you know, it's an arming t- term in terms of cultivating. You have to work at it, right? You have to work at being more curious. But guess when we didn't have to? When we were eight or nine or 10 years old. That's true. We were just curious, right? I, I talk about you know, one of the things that I'll mentioned is what I learned from the kid on the plane who wouldn't shut up. <laughs> and just this eight or nine-year-old kid who's sitting on a plane and I'm I'm sitting, he's on the window, I'm in the aisle, and the person next to us, I, I think was from Laosy, you know, I am trying to go to sleep, but I forgot my bowls, noise canceling headphones. And, <laughs> and he's just yapping, right? I couldn't go to sleep. And I started to listen to what he's doing, right. And he's talking to me, he's asking so many questions. He's like, hey, like what's Laos like? And what should I know about Laos? And what what should I And I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. This little kid is engaged in these two powerful concepts, one, of courageous curiosity, and two, authentic listening. Because when we were eight or nine years old, we asked questions like we knew nothing. Yeah. And as we just gotten a little bit older, we asked questions like we know everything. Mm. Trying to prove our worth instead of simply understanding the world and the worth of people around us. And this is the beauty of, of cultivating our curiosity, is that now as we're adults, because our society is pride and is knowing things and operating in a fixed mindset that Carol Dweck so often talks about, we don't lean into being courageous to hear others' perspectives, especially with those who are different than us. And so what we challenge ourselves to do, and we borrowed this from Inclusive Mindset. we give people practical tools in order to do it we don't just say just be more curious no 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 let me give you some tools to do this one of these things is one mc over w so the one of the few math things you'll do in the book (laughs) okay say
0: it one more time so people can hear it can you say it one more time one
1: mc over w okay one one mc over w yep it stands for one meaningful connection per week cool what is he built into your calendar 15 to 30 minutes each week to have a meaningful conversation with someone to learn to ask questions to hear their story right if that's too much do one mc over m right which is one meaningful connection per month but as you're doing that and this is the true aspect of cultivating curiosity listen to the power of three listen to the power of three now when when i mean about the power of three what we found in some of our research is that people Normally, you have to listen to the power of one or the power of two. Now, the power of one can be simple as as Like, how was your day today? You're like, oh, my day is great. I'm like, my day is great too. But that's power of one, right? I didn't ask the question beyond the question, right? Power of two might be simply, hey, how was your day today? You're like, oh, my day is great. I'm like, well, oh, today's your day great. See, you see what just happened? Right. I just yeah. leaned into this power of two versus power of three. You may say, oh, yeah, you know, I had a you know, great breakfast. Power of three could simply, it's like, oh, what do you eat, right? Now it, it's not, not in a um, investigative way, right? It's done in a more curious way of understanding. But when we engage people in that, in that curiosity, we hear more of the essence of one, who people are, two, what people really mean. And that's one of the great things in our disagreements. We're often disagreeing about two totally different things. <laughs> and until we ask clarifying questions, and not assume what you mean. Like, same thing when I talk about, some people say, oh, diversity. Well, I, I used to automatically, lie. Well, I'm trying to dare Now I'm gonna, like, what do you mean by diversity? How do you define it? I just ask the question. In the simplest way, now we can have a conversation to say, are we actually talking apples to apples, or are this apples to oranges? Right, so part of that is, that curiosity and cultivating is so important, because it allows us to make sure we're in align, alignment with what we're actually talking about. Um, and the last thing I think that's really, really helpful is that when we, when we ask questions, it does things to challenge our assumptions. It does things to, to hear perspective of others. And like, what's the number one thing that most people like talking about? Right, <laughs> 100% most people. You know, even, yeah. even an introvert, introvert, you can't listen to like, I don't like them you know. Yes, you get God. energy by yourself, but all you, you know, all of us, not all, but majority of us, like talking about ourselves, especially in meaningful conversations. And so yeah. when we engage people, guess what? Just that simple act of asking questions, of hearing their perspective, of better understanding their viewpoint, is already swelling up their value cup. Yeah. So that even when you do disagree in a respectful manner, that they're more willing to hear you because you were more willing to hear them. And how to win friends and influence people. And I love that Dale Carnegie brought forward. He says, how do you win friends? By first being friendly. Mm-hmm. And that's the same mm-hmm. thing. How do you get respecting conversations? By first being respectful. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I think courageous, courageous curiosity and cultivating your curiosity is such an important integral pillar because it's one of those value-building things within our clubs.
0: Well, I... I'm so glad I asked you that question because you just like threw down some like major gems there. <laughs> so I think we need to go back. Um, yeah. Power of three, you know, when, when, when someone um, is interacting with me that way, I, I feel like they really care about me. Right. Yeah. That it's not just like the superficial conversation, like how was your breakfast? But, you know, really like, hey, I see you. I care yeah. about you. I really want to get to know you at a deeper level. And then a few things that you said were just like mic drops. Um, instead of proving your worth, instead of understanding other people's worth. Yeah. And then, you know, asking questions uh, like we know nothing. And you're right. I think yeah. the ego gets in the way of us doing that when we get older. Um, but just being curious, you learn a lot about someone's perspective and um, what's important to them.
1: Yeah. No, uh, you, you're you're spot on i think um, one of the things that we found is that we often vacillate between these mainly two two places these two um complexes but we can our goal is to get to this place of kind of this equal perspective and so you have you know that superiority complex that a lot of people talk about right right and it's, you're 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 like oh i i should know and I, I get that a lot of times when i'm dealing with like my as a parent, sometimes people in positions of power or who see that they are better think through like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, of course I know this, right? I, I have so many stories I can tell you where I was wrong and my daughter was right. And as I leaned into <laughs> to what we call the three self model, right? And so the, the superior self thinks I'm I'm better than, you, right? Oh, why do, you, why do you think that? Oh, you get vaccinations? Oh, how dare you? Like, you know, or you don't get vaccinations, so we operate from the superior self. And sometimes we operate from the inferior self, where we look at other people and based on their position, their status in life, their celebrity, other things, we have now elevated them in ways that we disrespect ourselves in the process. And the goal is this, this balancing pendulum is spending more time in the equal self, no. where you see the value of others, but you also see the value of yourself. And that's, that's the beautiful aspect of the bridge, right? Is that I spend more time connecting than burying, I'm building up barriers. So that's, to your point, yes, I think, well, we can say, wait a minute, I'm not as high and vital as I think I am, equal self. So. Or I'm not as low compared to this other person that I think I am, maybe I can get to equal self. So. And I think those are very key, key parts of, you know, challenging our own perspective right? Which is one of the, the other pillars. So anyway, yeah, when you started talking about superiority, I like the ego, like that's where it came of superior, equal, and inferior self and how we can work to spend more time as equal self.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Uh, superior self, inferior self, equal self. And I feel like the equal self, you're respecting the other person's perspective, but then you're also respecting yours. And earlier you're talking about sometimes we we don't we don't we disagree to things even though we don't we, we say we agree but we don't really agree because we're not respecting ourselves
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's dehumanization mm-hmm. and oftentimes we just ascribe dehumanization for other people right we're dishumanizing other people but there's times we dehumanize ourselves mm-hmm. right and it, it's learning to lean into our own voice right and there's some people right and then that's I, I'm so grateful, right? I had a my publishing team, there was a, a person on the editorial part of it that uh, was not for this book. And um, I had to challenge myself to do what the book says, right? And yeah. so I said, hey, let, I'd love to have a conversation with you, right? And got on the phone, had a conversation. I was like, yeah, hey, tell me, tell me, you know, I want to hear their story and want to hear where they disagreed with the book. And and one of the things that they shared that I thought was so helpful and actually made it into the book and the research was they felt that there's many times where they weren't maximizing their voice. They were diminishing their voice in their organization and they didn't know how to elevate it. And that's where really leading into those people who are also um, disrespecting self in the process came about. A lot of this stuff has just been growth and learning and, and practicing the same tools that I'm sharing with others, even during this book, right? And so I'm very grateful she's now on board and and is and a fan of the book, but we've included that aspect for people who might lean on diminishing self a lot more than, um, than they do in terms of elevating self.
0: Yeah, appreciate that. Superior self, inferior self, equal self, your three self model. So there's one other part of the five pillars that I want to ask you about. And it was just really intriguing as I was listening to it or reading about it, I guess, listening to you today. But the fourth pillar is seeking the gray. And I'm like, well, when before I read that, I was like, well, why do we want to seek the gray? And like, what does that actually mean? Tell us a little bit about seeking the gray and why we want to do that.
1: Yeah, so when you're seeking the gray, right now, I love, (laughs) I love all the chapters, I call it 50 Shades of that, that, that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not that type of gray, y'all. Not that type of gray. Um, It's very gray right now, I'm sorry. Uh, Another championship. But one of the things I love about gray is uh, when I was doing my MBA, uh, I had one of those really cool professors. Um, that was like uh, Dead Poet Society type of professor. If you've never seen the movie, you gotta check it out with the lady Robin Williams.
0: Yeah, so good.
1: Yeah, right. And so he would do, have you do things like sit in the middle of the room and just do nothing and then write his reflections on it. Well, one of the books he gave, which sounds like, why well, I have to read this book? I think the book is, you know, again, book stupid, right? But he had us read this book that was one of the most transformative books that I've read. Not only a commission, but even it's work, it's the foundation. And now it's a book called Dialogue, start Thinking Together. Okay. Hey. And why was that so big for me? Now, what I loved about Dialogue, is that they talk about A, most people are trying to prove A, and this whole other group trying to prove B. But the real question is, how do we create C together? How would C? And C is not 50-50 often. C could be 75. 25, right? Or 95.5. And when you're seeking the gray, you're realizing that most conversations are nuanced. We like to speak and see things as very black and white. But when you start involving people, they aren't black and white. There's nuances. We're really talking about things from gun control or gun lobbying. Or, like There's gray to the conversations. We're talking about Republicans and Democrats and, and what should we do about Boris and up There's gray but because we're often so focused on proving our perspective and our point, we don't even see, nor do we validate the points of others that actually might be good. You know, when I've seen that done, is couched under the wall. It's so still pretty slow. But if I give in here, then I, and that's when I've realized, oh, so what we're doing, it's all about winning rather than growing. Yeah. And when we're more focused on winning, then it's going to be never. Never sharing where their viewpoint was actually valid. It's never sharing where, that, you know what, that's actually an interesting perspective. It's never even valuing the person. We're focused on growing and seeking the gray. We look for those places where there might be commonalities where we say, you know what? This piece of what you said was really good. Guess what that does? And the research they found is that people who often communicate the commonalities or common zones, recall gray, People are more willing to listen to their disagreement because they've found places where it's not about them just overcoming and bulldozing over other people, but they're actually engaged in true listening and finding some aspects of commonality. I'm not talking about false commonality just to say, well, I found, I'm talking about where you're genuinely saying, wow, that I never thought about that that way, right? Or we're actually... This piece of what you said, you, you said three things, and I think that middle piece that you said, that's great. i have never, I never even considered. I've never heard it that way before, right? That allows that then takes off the walls of others, yeah, to be able to better gain Now, how do we do it, right? One of the things that we do to seek the great. When I go into disagreements, I challenge okay. myself to ask myself, just find something that's not you, that's not them. That we create together from this conversation, and I, and I i say that literally not out loud, but <laughs> but I say it in my head. Justin, what did you find that you all created together in the conversation? That's an observation. That's the gray. It's the nuance beyond the binary thinking, right, where we're considering these multiple pers- perspectives, but it's also realizing that there's there's ambiguity there. There's a sense of There's not a concrete thing because within this gray, it's it's often some people consider it murky. It's not just clear black, not clear white. And we often found we would want to be in a black and white peer zones because we like the peer um, approval. Yeah. So when we start operating in grade, they're like, wait a minute, why did you concede that point? But when we realize it's not about winning, it's about growing, it allows us to actually see the gray, And even in the book, you notice the when they cover the book, it's a black, black side, it's a white side. And what most people don't see is it, the very thin gray line in between it. And it's intentional to seek it. Because if we don't seek the gray, the we'll never find those points where we are we're actually more common. we actually have agreement. We're actually able to say, you know what? This is one thing that we actually agree on. And we may disagree with other people, but I at least found this one thing. It connects with people. It bridges the divide versus building a barrier. That's the gray.
0: Excellent. Well, I appreciate what you said in the book. It's, you said the gray helps you recognize that real world problems often exist in the gray areas that require nuanced collaboration, multi-dimensional solutions that respect the diversity of perspectives. And, you know, when I think about winning, I think about me over the other person. But when it's yeah. like growing, it's like, how can we grow this together? So Justin, your book comes out April 16th. People can already order it on Amazon. Tell us where we can order it. And then also um, you are an incredible speaker. So tell us a little bit about how people can find more information about your speaking as well.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate the compliment and I thank you for the compliment. Um, Yes, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Books and Billion. You can go all the places, pre-order the books. We are offering some pretty cool um, goodies and giveaways for those who are pre-order. So if you pre-order, just shoot us an email at engage at Um And that comes to us and we'll send off all the beautiful um, goodies. Um, we'll have in March, we'll kick off our Um So people will be able to go and just have one place to be able to grab all the stuff. So if you're listening March and beyond, the um, we will be there. Also for bulk orders, port slide, right? So we've had some of our clients that they're like, "Hey Justin, you know, we're going to order 500 books." Right, and so that's been great because we've been able to go out and um, and then do a presentation or figure out some way to really reward that. So port slide books is also a great way. We can have the conversation about that. So your second point, workmeaningful.com is where you can find out um, a lot more about the work that we're doing around employee experience and intersection of inclusion. Um, and believe we improve the lives of people. Um, People feel more included um, when we respectfully disagree. And so uh, it's a really, really passionate part for us. Um, And the last thing I'll say to this, and I think just this last tip I think would be very helpful, is that no matter when or who you disagree with or what you disagree on, you can always fully acknowledge the other person. Always fully acknowledge. What does fully acknowledge mean? you can say, you know, as one well of the Stanford researchers call out in the book, it says, thank you because. Mm. Thank you because I've never heard it shared this way before. Right? Or thank you for sharing your perspective today. Or wow, I really appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share what you believe.
0: And none of those things that
1: I say, I, did, I agreed with them. Yeah, it's true. But I did fully acknowledge them. And that's where, no matter who we're talking about, no matter who we're talking to, why we can vehemently disagree with someone's ideology and still passionately pursue their humanity.
0: Thank you so much, Justin, for being on the podcast today. So again, um, Justin's book coming out April 16th, I respectfully disagree how to have difficult conversations in a divided world. And to find more information about his speaking, you can go to Work meaningful dot com. Um, Justin, there are so many things that I found really valuable today. The way you define diversity is just how everybody is different and uh, how we all have differences. And I think that's a really powerful way to define it, Um, that we all have biases, but we can still move towards this golden respect you talked about. Your five pillars uh, are incredible. And then, you know, my favorite parts of this were when we ask questions um, like we know nothing, like a nine-year-old. And then, just to, to prove our worth, we don't really want to prove our worth in these conversations, but understand other people's worth. So, um, thank you so much for describing the power of three, the three self model, and um, just being here for us to think about how can we have more respectful conversations, include people when we have those conversations.
1: Thank you, thank you so much for having this and the great work that you're doing. I'm 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 honored to be on this on this uh, Zoom.
0: Thank you, thank you, Justin